Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Hey, hockey fans, it's that time of year again. NHL playoffs are here and summertime barbecues. Stay in style this summer by the grill, pool, or at your casual get-togethers with Summer Skate. Summer Skates are the leading sports sandal footwear in the business with NHL team brands or your own personal logos on real hockey lace straps. Check them out at summerskates.com or go to bluelinehockeyclub.com and click on the link. You won't be disappointed. Summer skates are made with real hockey laces. Footbeds mold to your feet after a few wears. Summer skates are also washable, keeping your feet healthy and fresh. Summer skates. Stay fresh without the skates. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. Another episode with the usual suspects, episode 61 tonight. We have the usual suspects sitting in with us tonight, well, three out of the four anyway. We have our local nerd on staff, our IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you moving? Producer, the guy that puts all this stuff together, Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doctor. Very special guest sitting in with us tonight from Clarkson, men's Division One hockey coach Casey Jones. How are you doing tonight? Oh, doing good. Looks watching a little hockey NHL on TV. There looks like uh, San Jose is playing pretty well right now. They're up two nothing, huh? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, tough start though. McKinnon's out. That's not a good, uh, not a good omen for the Avs. There. I saw him take off. Did you see what happened? Yeah, I kind of fell in awkwardly into the board there. It looked like it might be a collarbone or uh, might be, uh, um, uh, it didn't look good, though. He wasn't yeah. moving his upper body there. It looked one of those weird, awkward lands, and he kind of went in low, and, like, it looked bad. It looked oh, awkward. Boy. Yep, that's yeah. not good. I see yeah, McCarr was playing up, too. I see McCarr started for uh, Colorado. He's a pretty nasty player. Yeah, he, he's a good player. It's amazing, eh, the uh, – uh, level of skating some guys have these days. They, they just look like they float in the blades. He's one of those guys. Oh, yeah. One in a million. So, Coach, let's uh, get into a little bit of your season that you had in uh, Clarkson this year. Excellent season, making it to the uh, NCAA championships and winning that and, uh, you know, moving on into the into the NCAAs. Um, I, should, I mean, ECAC champs, I'm sorry. Great season for Clarkson. Uh, Clarkson's had you know, for our listeners that uh, don't know, Clarkson women's hockey have had great success in the past too. Um, so both programs doing great things at Clarkson. And you know, what's been the uh, the draw for these recruits to come to to Clarkson and put these teams together? Yeah, I think it's a little bit. I think it's a special place, right? I think you have to figure out uh, the right kid to recruit here. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's not a metropolitan area, but it's it's got a great tradition and a great following with the uh, with hockey. So. You can get really, uh, you know, you get exposed to some great people. And uh, and I always say, you know, you surround yourself with good people, you're going to be really successful. And we have great fans. You know, we have uh, a great following. I think our development program here is really good. We have really good staff to, to help guys get better. And that's been really evident the last few years with guys moving on. So we kind of found that with the, we're getting after the right kid here and getting in the right culture. And I think that, uh, um, you know, a little bit of the recipe here that uh, makes it a real special place. Nice. Coach, I know there's uh, some renovations going on to Chio. What what exactly are they doing? Uh, increasing more seating capacity or what's going on there? 
know what? You know, uh, from seats and all that, not a big change at all. Like our rink is pretty, uh, it's pretty good for the viewers. So, but what's going to happen is, uh, you know, they, it, it needed uh, the floor and that needed to come out in the boards and the uh, glass needed. So a little bit of that. So there's some work going on to that to make the uh, refrigeration, everything better and get it. It's been a while. The main thing about Shield is that it it was built for one team back in the day, you know, and in the nineties when it was a new facility, it was a uh, that's probably the heyday of Clarkson hockey. You know, it's one of those times where it was really, really successful. Um and it's it is what it is. You gotta keep up with you know, it's an arms race in college athletics and but it's it's an opportunity for us now to tie in a lot of things at Clarkson with it. So we'll be able to wrap around the bottom and, and um, give the hallways kind of respect. There's a lot of days you have a a women's game in the afternoon and the men's game at night. So you get to showcase both programs, but the overlap's not great because they're in the same hallway and they're, they're at a different stage and geez, you're asking them, they've won a big game. You're asking them to be quiet in the hallway in your preparation. So that's, you know, that's not right either. So this will allow us to have our own little separate space. We'll use all this. Uh, the, uh, the weight room is going to be brand new. Our weight room was small before our, our strength coach is off the charts. Good. He's been really creative with the way we, uh, the way we have to do our, our plans with our team to, to integrate our guys and create that atmosphere you want to be pushing each other, um, but it wasn't overly big. So this will give us a full a full weight room now on the bottom floor for both teams. And upstairs will have a phenomenal um, avenue for for the the students, and that'll be integrate with the students and the faculty on the first floor. So there's a ton going into the facility right now that all everybody on campus is going to go from the D3 athletes to the faculty to to our programs are really going to go a long ways with uh, uh, with integrating everything into this uh, this renovation. Nice. So that yeah, that's definitely going to help. I'm curious how the you know such a strong education. How does that affect your recruiting? And and where do you go looking for the smart hockey players? Yeah, well, I think what we do is uh, you know along our lines is we our school our school position well, but I think what you do is you just get guys who are motivated academically. Uh, that's all you do, you know, so you get after it. The, the nice part on the men's side is you know, guys are coming in a year or two older, so they, they, they are mature and they're prepared to attack the academic side of things. Just So that's, that's, that's helped a lot. Pretty straight, pretty true to our form. You know, uh, if you look at our roster, Ontario, Quebec, you know, New York State's an area we got to attract a little bit more of, try to attack that a little bit more. And um, But, you know, we just you, you stay true to your backyard. Any good program has a real good backyard of players, and we try to stay true to that. Yeah, and just to touch on that, I mean, in ECAC, most of the schools are, are really good academic schools. So you're in the same kind of company, you know, with, with the Ivy Leaguers, you know, trying to get their kids to be able to come in and keep their grades to stay eligible. And, you know, that's, you know, some of the some of the bigger schools might not have that. Uh, the Wisconsin's and, and stuff like that might be a little easier to get kids in. And I mean, I'm not really sure how that works, but I know that certain schools have more pull to get kids in um, as far as their admissions process. Yeah, they do. They have different stipulations. I tell guys all the time, like uh, when you're talking to young guys and prospects coming up, is that hey, there's there's only 60 Division One schools on the men's side. There's there's half of that I think on the women's side. Uh, but on on the men's side, you, you hate to be that kid that's uh, that's playing a real good game and and the, the team that's there to watch it that night. You can't get you can't get into their school, you know. So you want to try to do what you can in the classroom to give yourself the best opportunity uh, to to move on. So I, I think the most important thing for us is the fact that they're invested in their academics. That's what we sell. And guys like that can be real successful like Clarkson that work hard, that uh, that, that really get after it and, and they're, they're invested in it. They're, they, they get a lot out of our education. That's the most important thing, I think. 
Yeah, and, and Clarkson, just for all the listeners, Clarkson was in the top 10% of the academic progress rate, which is uh, pretty big. And, you know, we were, t- we were talking about that before you came on, Coach, you know, how easy it is um, to be able to just coach hockey and not coach players in the classroom too. You know, you, you can just focus on um, the season, winning games, where, uh, you know, some programs and some, you know, lower stages, D3, the coaches – also have to kind of coach the knuckleheads uh, in the classroom. So uh makes it easy for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think the most important thing for us is the fact that, you know, we, we tie it in. You, you know, I think it all comes down to the player you choose. So I, and you have, you have full reign of that as a coach. You can, uh, you know, you can get caught up in a little bit of the, a uh, little bit of stuff, but you have to get the, the right guy in your culture. Um, you know, to, we're trying to get to that stage uh, great article on Scott Sandlin and uh, what he does at Minnesota Duluth. It, it kind of reinforced kind of what you're thinking in terms of it's not always that that guy that you get to the drink and that sexy player and all that time. It's the right person for your program that fits what your school's about, that, that's excited to be there, that fights for that craft on the jersey, that, that's real critical, and that's the buy-in academically too. So I chose to coach college hockey first and foremost because it's a, it's a, it's a level that you get to have a lot, a lot more impact than just on the ice. Uh, it's a great development stage for these young guys to watch them, what they're doing on and off the ice and where they're going uh, to set themselves up in their lives. That's kind of a big piece of the puzzle. Winning's nice, but uh, a lot, there's a lot of other things to go along with it. Being a, being a major part of that development stage in their lives is, is probably the, the most satisfying. Well, what you're doing is uh, you're doing pretty well. So uh, um, congrats on that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the uh, your season this year, uh, beating your uh, alma mater, um, Cornell uh, in the uh, ECAC championship. Uh, how was that? Yeah, it was exciting. I mean, we had a, we had quite the series against them. They tagged us uh, down in their barn. Probably second half was our worst loss of the second half. I think they put one on five nothing there. Honestly, we, um, we were due for a loss. We had a really good second half, and sometimes get a little overconfident. You can see it leaking, and it, it they 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 kind of whacked us right there. They slapped us around that game pretty good, um, and that kind of set the stage. I thought for the rest of the year. We had a young team. A lot of people don't realize we were really young. We only had three seniors, um, you know, and, and we played six freshman forwards a lot of nights. Um, you know, Nico Sturm is, uh, you know, we went up and played the NHL right after the season. Um, you know, he was our only senior center, uh, upperclassman center. We played a lot of the year. We played three freshman centers. So we knew the first half of the year we were going to have to grow as a team and get better. Uh, so we were going to take a little bit of lumps. And I think at Christmas we might have been nine and six. We felt good about where we were going because we got a lot of playing time for some young guys in that, but they needed to take a step for a second half because uh, we had lost three major D the year before and lost some major pieces of the puzzle with a freshman and a sophomore signing NHL contracts with Dickinson and Rempel. So we had a lot to replace with a big senior class in those two. So we liked our pieces, but it had to come together. And then the second half we took off, kind of we got that, that, that freshman stuff out of the way the first half and, we had some great older players that uh, that gave us a chance to mature them along with Sturm and Hagel and Brasseau and school. We had some good players here in town. So they afforded us a lot of opportunity to bring those guys along. And, and it came, it came together nicely towards the end. And we were playing pretty good hockey there at the Notre Dame game. Still stings was a disappointing one there. I thought we, we had the ability to win that game. And that's, that's hockey though. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. So, you know, with the, you know, the tough loss to Notre Dame, what, what were your takeaways and, you know, what do you think you're going to try and do to correct it for this, this season coming up? I, I think that's back-to-back years. We've right been on a cusp of winning that tournament game, eh? So I thought a, 
I thought last year we got beaten the championship game there in overtime the year prior to this year, and we had a little bit of a little bit of a motive to, to set the stage for the summer for that for that push. And I think that's a real good rallying cry for us here this year. Is we've got to get so we and I thought we were in the right place, right mindset going into that tournament game. I thought we um, you know passed up some opportunities to shoot pucks early, and then we once we get settled in, I thought we were playing really well. Uh, but we just we had a chance to extend that lead to three one. Uh, we miss those opportunities, and you know when you let them hang around, it's it's one of those scenarios that uh, eventually bit us, and they they got that empty net goal after they fixed turn out of the game on us. Um, it is what it is. It's uh, it's a good hockey team, and uh, so I think that lesson learned is uh, you know we got to get there next year with a purpose, and and uh, and we, we you know we got to that's uh, our building point that we we want to make some noise in that tournament. And that's a goal of ours here this off season to uh, to improve to the point where uh, we feel we can set ourselves up for success in that tournament. No, I just wanted to touch on just quickly um, in your top 10 in points, you had four defensemen and uh, one of them up there. And I think the top four um, senior, um, we, we talk about it a lot on the show, how the, the new age defensemen seem to be the people putting the puck in the back of the net or getting assists and really seem to be the guys that are contributing to the stat sheet every night. Is that something that Clarkson has really been trying to focus on as, as far as they're recruiting their defensemen? Yeah, I give him all the right, but uh, I think as much as anything, it's a game planning that, like, if you don't activate your D, um, it, teams have their third guy high all the time. Now. Everybody's well coached, so you're very rarely, very rarely get a, you, your your odd man rushes a lot of times. Your two on ones are a D joint or or a three on two is a G a D beat someone up the ice. Most teams are really well guarded with with having that third guy in a, in a proper position. So if you don't activate your D, you're leaving a lot of offense on the board. It's going to be tough um, to do it, and then. And then obviously in the offensive zone, getting them active and, and getting them to have the ability to get shots through the net are real important. So um, we have a lot of our D, uh, but uh, if you're going to win, they, they have to be a big part of your offense. So, you know, we, we encourage that. It's a big part of what we're recruiting there now. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's been probably the biggest difference in our team in the last couple of years, our ability to get those to get those guys that can produce and put you over the level. I find good forwards, are, they're a little bit easier to find. Not that high, high end guy, but you get enough good forwards everywhere to it's the teams that have real good defense. I think that's the separating factor of all teams. Yeah, I mean, we had Greg Carvel, Coach Carvel from UMass on a couple of weeks ago, and he, he had one of the best uh, high-scoring defensemen in the country this year. And, you know, that's kind of something that we've seen at all levels as far as um, even in minor hockey now, they try to teach the kids, well, you're a defenseman, but you just line up on D. You know, that's not – you don't have to stay at the blue line anymore. And, um, you know, they want them to contribute early. And then even in the NHL – those top end defensemen that teams are looking for, the guys like Eric Carlson's and stuff like that, that are going to contribute and help teams win. So it seems like a big change from back when, you know, we played 20 years ago. Uh, defensemen kind of stood at the blue line and, you know, played defense and took the slappers from the point, and, you know, that's long gone. Yeah, I think I think the easiest way to I, – I describe people now the way I, I find it easy being coached. It's a numbers game right now, right? And uh, so you want, you want four people on the attack. It doesn't matter what number you fit. Um, you know, a D could be any one of those four numbers. And that's, that's I think, what's changed the most. You know, you always, you always used to have the defense joining late. Well, now the D can be, you watch NHL games, the D could be the guy driving the bat. You know, he can stay there. But you have to have tremendous hockey sense. That's you tell young guys now you know, and young coaches, you can't restrict these young guys because they've got to make reads on the ice, play at the highest level. They've got to be able to read the ice in a split second to realize that they're, hey, I'm, the, I'm a forward, but I've got a D up in the rush. i got to be the high guy here. i got to wait till he cycles back or, um, you know, I'm a D, I'm net driving. Caesar signs where there's two guys up in the attack now. You watch the way the way teams play. 
that's just the way it is. And, and teaching young guys to have reads on the ice, situational stuff, that's where the game's at nowadays. So hockey fence is probably the most important thing right now in all levels of recruiting, all levels of scouting that you want to make sure you have because the amount of, if you want to play the right way, there are a ton of reads going on on every play on the ice that, uh, that if you don't make the right read, you can, you can give up an odd man rush the other way pretty quick. Yeah, and the other big position that we talk about all the time on the show is goaltending, and it looks like you're returning. You, you'll have a senior in between the pipes next year, so that should help you guys out pretty tremendously. Too. Uh, we, I wish that he's, we got, uh, he signed with uh, – Kylie has signed with Vancouver. So yeah. Had, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's it good. It's good. It's good for a program. You know, it's uh, he was ready. He was, uh, he was a key cog for us this year, and, and we'll have another guy step into that role and be a key to – uh, but he's uh, he's been a great ambassador. Terry, first time in my 28 years in college coaching, and that's the first time, um, uh, you know, with, with that we're put that put that letter on the goaltender. So there's a lot of respect and locker room for him. So there's a he, he was a great great player to have in our program. Yeah, with with that said, coach, the, the uh, these young players contributing in the NHL now is that something that's kind of hurting these. Um, college teams and college programs where you're having a lot more guys leave and actually go contribute in, in the NHL where you didn't see it as much maybe uh, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, right? You're getting older players in, in college, so they end up leaving a little bit earlier. That's what, you know, it's where it's the price to pay there. It's, it's a, but I, I just think the game right now is in such a good place on the college level that the, the, the development and everything that guys are moving on. And it's a freebie, right? So when you have a guy that's not drafted, it's an absolute freebie for the NHL team. So they, you know, if they have a little bit of an off draft year or something, they, they want to get those young guys in their system too. So you just want to protect your guys and try to give them sound advice so when they go, uh, they're ready to make an impact uh, with that level. But, uh, geez, you're watching these guys come up. I watched Sermon and here you look like you fit right in and watching McCarr in the class. I mean, these young guys are stepping right in and looking looking like they fit right in. So that says a lot of what's calling game right now. Yeah, Coach, talk to us a little about Nico, uh, you know, what he did for your program. Um, he was a senior, I believe. And uh, what you see him, you know, potentially being a force in the uh, NHL for the Wild. Yeah, so we had we had Nico three years. He was uh, he just – I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's, he's almost a 4-0 student. So he's a whole package when it comes to – when it comes to student-athlete. Um, great teammate, great, uh, great locker room guy. Uh, set the tone every day with his work ethic and uh, uh, commitment to the team game. So he's uh, like he—he he was a great person. When we had a, we had six freshman forwards there this year. What what a great great teaching tool. Just having him uh, bring those young guys along for the way he went about his, his business. That that's, you can't coach that. Like they can just sit there and watch this guy having success for how much effort he puts into it. Uh, went a long way for our guys to develop. So uh, he, he did a ton for our culture. So. Um, we're, we're real excited to watch him in his next step. He's done a lot for us with our program. Uh, you know, All-American, first-team All-American there this year. Uh, all, I think all he's seen, he defends the defenseman forward of the year, two years in a row, and first-team, he, he's a big-time player, and, and he'll be successful just because he's got a lot of depth. He can go anywhere, I think, in your lineup. He can help you in a lot of ways as a coach boy. They'll, they'll figure that out real quick when they get him up there, like his penalty killing uh, he can net front power play. He can play five on five. He can shut down somebody. There's there's no there's a lot of ways he helps you. So as a coach, get those guys that can extend your bench and give you a lot of options. They're they're invaluable. 
Yeah, Coach, uh, just so, you know, one more last thing. I wanted to ask you about the community and, and uh, for the people that don't know, Clarkson's in a town called Potsdam, New York. And um, how has the, with the women's program and the men's program being really good the last few years, how has the support been from the community and your fan base? If you want to just uh, give them a shout out, let us know how that's going. That's what, that's what makes this place special, right? I mean, we have, uh, and we, our crowds are fantastic. We have a band that travels with us on road games. Our, our university invests in them to be a big part of our program, but uh, we're a community-based program that, uh, that it comes down to. A lot of you know, kids these days want to play in front of great crowds, want to play in exciting environments, and that's one thing that our fan base allows us to, uh, to to get our recruits excited about when they get on our campus. Our home record, look at the home record of our team. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, so that says a lot about the excitement of our players to play at home and uh, get up for the games with, with our crowd. So um, you know, it's a big part of our program, big part of what, who we are. Um, we love the we love the fact that hockey is real critical to our our community, and it goes a long way with our players uh, to to be prepared to play and excited with being a being a member of a program. Nice, nice, great, great place to uh, to play hockey. That's for sure. All the listeners out there, we have listeners in Canada, and all over the United States, and. If you're looking for a school, check out Clarkson University. You get on their website, get check out their program. Great place to play, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Coach. It's uh, it's been exciting to talk to you and learn a little bit more about your program. Even being local guys, we're kind of you know invested and we recorded the games and you know see it in the press. So we've been following you quite closely as it is, but um, it's always good to get some of the uh, the background on it and give the listeners some some info on the, the, the program too. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate the time, guys, and uh, look forward. I think we're gonna have another good product on the ice next year. So excited about excited about that. And, and uh, reach out and sorry, I, I laugh and my kids are laughing at me because I, I can get technology. I get challenged with the technology stuff there. They laugh at me pretty good. They're like, yeah, let, let me call. So my son, my son connected that. I'll put a shout out to him. He got me all set up. Good, good, uh, good. We appreciate it, coach. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming for your on. Thanks for time, coach. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Yeah, we'll get you on again. Sounds good. Coach Casey Jones sitting in with the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight. It's always good to have a guy like Casey on the show, uh, you know, stand-up guy, great coach, been coaching for, I think, upwards of 25-plus uh, years. Uh, you know, he's been doing it a long time. I think he was coaching 20 years before he was the head coach at Clarkson. He's been there, I don't know, seven, eight years there, too, so – has a lot of experience put together a great program clarkson golden knights have uh, really had some strong programs for the last couple of years and like pat mentioned before great academics one of the best in, in the uh, ecac and a great place for for these recruits to go and that, that helps big time too when you got a guy that's focused on academics or their engineering programs are outstanding um you know that helps in recruiting you know so some of these guys are not going to the nhl and they know you know, if I go to Clarkson and I get a good education, there's a good chance I can get a, you know, great paying job right out of school. So they have, they have everything. They got a good facility there, great rink to play in, great community, good fans, uh, very invested in the program. They sell out quite a bit there. So he's going to have a good program in the future for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like he said, it's not a metropolitan, uh, you know, venue for the hockey players. But like you said, Mark, it's one of the better barns in upstate New York great facility, great program, and it's a really tough school to get into. So uh, they're doing good things there, and he's he's doing really good with the whole program, you know, just based on his wins, making it to the tournament. 
Yeah, and the school does good things for the the community too. They, they you know, they have the Section 10 uh, playoff championships at, at the Chile Arena. They've been doing that since we were in school 20 years ago. Um, so that's a you know a nice venue for the high school teams to play at. Um, you know, holds a lot of fans. It's exciting for those programs, and they also do a lot for the figure skating programs in the local areas because um, they have ice through the summer. So it's uh, it's a good facility for the community as well, and uh, they, they seem to be able to get that ice open for other programs and, and reach out and help the community there too in the summertime. How are you guys doing with your summer skates? You guys been able to wear them up there in the north? Uh, just barely, man. I'll tell you what, I've been holding on my yeah. nice yeah. pearly white laces. I just don't want to get them muddy know, outside they're, yet. They're so nice. I don't want to wear them outside because I, I will get them dirty quickly, like immediately. <laughs> They're really comfortable. I mean, and we talked about them before in other podcasts and, um, you know, they're a big sponsor of the Blue Liners now. And, um, you know, for me, I just just broke them out last week and fairly quickly breaking them in. And they're really comfortable. And, you know, right away when people see them, they they comment on them, right? Because there's something like, you know, you haven't seen before, especially hockey fans. They love them. So if you haven't seen them, get on their website and check them out. They're actually pretty unique. And like Pat says, you can get, what, 12 pairs. You can get your own logo on them. So we have some pretty cool ones with our logo on them that um, I think we gave a pair away. We'll be giving another pair away. So make sure you're listening for that in our podcast for a keyword on what to do to win a pair of summer skates here on the Blue Line Club. And uh, great product. Give us the website there, Pat, for summer skates. It's summerskates.com, and uh, you can go to our uh, website at bluelinehockeyclub.com, and there's a link. But, uh, yeah, great sandals. It's, uh, you know, playoff season, summer season. Throw, go to 2-4 Hockey and grab some uh, apparel, shirt, shorts, whatever, and then go on to summer skates and get some nice sandals yeah, to wear this yeah. summer. If you think about it for summer skates, you know, 12 seems like a lot, but it's not for, for a team like hockey. You get 12 of your buddies and say, hey, we're going to put our logo on these summer skates. Buck up and we'll all get them. It's not that bad. You get your logo on them and they're nice. So yeah. 29 bucks a pair when you get a dozen with your logo. So summerskates.com. Check it out. All right, boys. Well, we have some exciting news in the hockey world. We are moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals. The week we've been waiting for is finally here. Patrick has a fucking St. Louis Blues hat on and an old ratty fucking Bruins t-shirt. The Bruins shirt's so probably from 1983 or so. Where, where did you even get a Blues hat anyway? Did you like go get that on Amazon this week or what? This is a 2011 Eastern Conference Championship Boston Bruins shirt I bought in 2011. And then I got the uh, – St. Louis yeah. Blues apparel from uh, Keith yes. Truck. So Yesterday. Keith. <laughs> Keith. Keith. Well, Derek was just holding up his phone to let us know that he actually, when we did the playoff brackets, Playoffs. he actually had St. Louis in the Bruins in the finals. And I'm hoping that you um, win the $10,000 because, uh, you know, Blue Liners would like to go on vacation. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be nice. You guys think I got that? I don't know. You have to check. You, and who do you have winning? The only person on the planet to get that. You know, I don't know who I picked to win. To be honest, with you. I think I picked the Blues to win it. Well, and you know, you know, I think I think the Blues got it. What are the the uh, Bruins got ten ten days between games? Um, Rob, look, Rob, look up uh, what Vegas has on uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. Let us know what Vegas is telling us. 
on the line on that. The how, nasty is, how nasty is Tarasenko, though? Nasty. He's oh an older Donato. Shoots from everywhere. Shoots every it's time. Just a, his release, though, too. Like he has the quickest release. Like the goalie, there's that one goalie just scored recently from the top, like right from the hash marks. You know, it's like, fuck. The goalie yeah. barely reacted, and it was in the top shelf before he even knew. Yeah. It. It's just bar down, baby. Mark at yeah, 130. Bookmakers give the Blues a 42% chance to win their first ever Stanley Cup. Is that 42%. Looks like there's like the Bruins are a little bit of a favorite then. 60, yeah, 58. Just to touch on the Blues, um, now that we're getting into the last series here, that that last game, the Sharks were all over them. I mean, if you guys watched it, they they couldn't score, but they were. They were down by two goals at the time, and they ended up smoking them in the in the last minutes of the game. But they didn't the the Blues didn't have a shot till like 12 minutes into the third period. You know, wow. so Bennington, Bennington was getting pounded, and they were had opportunities, and they were pressing at, at the blue line to keep the puck in at every chance they had, and they were all over them. But uh, the Blues were able to play good defense, and obviously the goalie played really well. So I think that when we get into this next series, we'll talk about Tuka Rask and how well he played in the last series. And then Bennington, just like Pat, you can touch on Bennington season, but um, just it, it's going to come down to how well these goalies play, really. I mean, if you get a hot goalie in this series, it's, it could change everything. Yeah, and, you know, with them, the Bruins, Tuka Rask sitting out 10 days, and he got, uh, you know, Bennington, his He's reflexes there, are still right? there. I think the momentum swing is definitely with St. Louis. I think the Bruins are going to come out game one flat-footed. They are playing in Boston, but they're going to have to come out roaring. But I don't think there's anything that you can do, practice or weight room, that gets you into game speed like St. Louis has been doing. And like Mark said, you watched that game. Uh, San Jose was all over uh, St. Louis, and St. Louis came back. So, I mean, they got the legs, they got well, if the you stamina it, and everything. It's about momentum. We've said it over and over and over again. It's about momentum. And and St. Louis is the the example we've been holding. That they are coming into their stride. They they just, you know, closed out their series with two strong games and they are rip roaring into their, you know, the Stanley Cup finals. Boston sitting on their ass for 10 days. Yeah, they're excited, but that momentum left on day one. And then they have the hangover of having to wait around for the finals to begin. So that's yeah. a lot of anxiety that's been building up and building up and waiting and waiting and waiting. So, you know, game one is going to be I'll, – I'll be curious to see what happens. If St. Louis lose in and pump them, yeah. Go ahead. Blues were in last place in the NHL on January 3rd of this year, 2019. Yeah. Point. Then they had to they end up having the best record in the NHL after that until the playoffs. Um, and we talked about it on the show about how hot they were going into the playoffs. And, you know, just to touch on that series, when that and it was game three when San Jose had the hand pass that didn't get called and San Jose won. Um, after that game, St. Louis – outscored San Jose 12 to two. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, after that, that was like they're cursed by getting that friggin' goal, man, because they just got smoked. I mean, it was, uh, it was just unbelievable how they were pounding them in the last two games, five, nothing, five, one. 
Um, I mean, just came out with a vengeance after they got that shitty play. And, you know, the players are smashing their sticks on the glass. And, I mean, the fans were like, what the hell just happened? Um, so St. Louis really came to play in the last three games after that play. Well, to, to just to sit, you know, to think about that for a second, they, they took a win that wasn't really theirs. You know, that was a hand pass. That was no goal. They walked away. Blatant. What's that? It was blatant. It, well, blatant I mean, it was obvious. They, they walked away with a win that wasn't theirs. So, and then after, when you listen to the interviews, it was, uh, well, you know, it is what it is. It's not an acknowledgement of the fact that you just, you know, won a game that you shouldn't have won. That would have been the right thing to do. They could have moved on, but I think you were right. Yeah. That was their curse right there. That was the end. And I don't understand how, like, there's certain things they review and certain things they don't review. Like, I, that play cost them the game. Why can't it be reviewed? I mean, it was the hand any pass. Kind of, any kind of game-changing situation should be – Any actually, you know, they, I mean, every goal should just be reviewed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every single goal should just be reviewed. It's like, you know, do like the NFL does. Like, every touchdown is reviewed. You know, every well, single one's reviewed. Well, so – Listen, they'll move to that. Not that I I disagree or anything, but there is another side. You know, it just reminds me of Carrie Frazier. I I saw Carrie Frazier's tweet, um, something about, you know, listen, stop overcorrecting with having to have everything reviewed because the reality is there were several officials that are quote unquote trained that didn't see the goddamn play. Now, everybody else in that place must have seen that. Well, and I'm sure. I, I saw it real time. I was like a hand pass, and it's like, oh, a goal. So I, mean, I thought it was me three officials on that ice, one four. in the uh, four, and then one in the, the, what is it, the penalty box areas. Not one of those guys caught that freaking call right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm with whoever, you know, said that they were cursed at that point. I, I, I think at that point, accepting a win like that, they – That was some you'll karma. See, next year, you'll see, I guarantee you next year, all all scoring plays will be reviewed. You know what will happen. Especially but in overtime. My only, my only point was yeah. you've got to, you know, put some onus back on those officials. There are four guys on the ice that are responsible for that game. They fucked up. Period. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they're. I feel like the officials on the reviewable stuff are just falling back on replay because they don't want to make the wrong call, and it just kind of takes away from what their job is at some point. Make the call, you know. Yeah, like, you you are paid well to be a referee. Do it. That's all we're asking. Do it. Yeah, see I, the I mean, in in the ref's defense, that maybe they didn't see it. All four yeah, of I them. Say, I was gonna say too. Like you know, this stuff's happening in real time. I don't think they have time to process. How, like well, how many. You know, I mean, they don't have time to process. So, like, I'm not going to make this call because it's going to be, you know, that's exactly. just not possible. You know, that's not possible. They're, How many refs are on a football field? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, to their defense, like you said, I saw it real time. I thought it was a hand pass. But I saw the replay about 20 seconds later to confirm it, right? They don't see that, right? We're all watching it again and again and again. We're like, yeah, I saw that hand pass. But, I mean, if you only got to see it once at real time, you got to make that decision. And we're watching it from it's the best the angle on the fucking planet. And, you know, those guys got, you know, multiple snow, angles. snow blowing in front of their face. They got traffic in front of their face. They got, you know, trying to make sure they're not getting their teeth knocked out by a stick with a player that's in front of them. I mean, it's just. Well, there's a lot more. You, it's different. There's that's why you need review. You got to review the goals. Ten people on the ice and there's, what, 22 people on the field at once. So those aren't the same. You see the, uh, 
Did you see the ref got hurt last game? Yeah. yeah, I mean, speaking to what Derek just said, I mean, you got you got players shooting the puck uh, 100 miles an hour, stick swinging, snow in their face. And then McCulley last night tripped over a linesman and got hurt and had to leave. So there's multiple things going on out there besides the the music playing between each uh, whistle and um, 100 things. You know, I, I can I see it happening, you know, with uh, four refs on the ice missing that. That fucking puck's going 100 miles an hour. I mean, yeah. what, what what game was it? Dallas and, and, uh, and when no the puck bounced off the net. Good. Bruins. The play, though, it's the fact that they – no one's disputing the fact that they can miss the play. They they had the technology to review it, and they, they said that they couldn't. It's just dumb. Oh, yeah. In that, yeah, I see what you're saying. There, there is no logic jumping from that. I, I can actually tell you who stole the cookie, but I won't because I, I'm not going to. Yeah. Give yeah. me a freaking – To the casual fan out there sometime, though, that is always pissed at the refs, Take, exactly. Take two or three minutes of a game and keep your eye on the ref and see how much fucking maneuvering those guys have to do just to stay out of the way, just to make sure their chicklets aren't getting knocked out of their face. You know, or I mean? tripping and, over a linesman. Tripping over a linesman. You know, it, literally, if you're just a casual, uh, you know, fan listening to us and you're pissed at refs for making bad calls, take two or three minutes of the next game you watch. Watch one of the refs in the offensive or defensive zone. Yep. Try to just fucking dance around and stay out of the play. They I mean, are, it's, it's something to watch. There's so. no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there could be like a, you know, like a, you got a conference finals game in overtime. You know, if there was some kind of light over by the penalty box that came on from Toronto saying this needs to be reviewed, like they see it. That's they, a good idea. They, they know it's the wrong play. Maybe they turn the light on. So refs say, oh, this, let's go take a look at this. Because obviously the people in Toronto knew that was the wrong fucking call. I mean, it was blatant. Yeah. It wasn't like a maybe or, you know, it was definitely the wrong call. But, you know, there's on the other side of these refs, like with the San Jose Blues game, I mean, there was so many fucking penalties. I don't even know if coaches can get mad anymore. I mean, the stick gets like kind of caught in the guy's leg. He falls down tripping. I mean, how many of those plays were there last night or if it was the night before? where it was like a tripping call, but it was like barely, you know, kind of touched him. And I think some of these guys are taking dives now and the guy's stick goes between his legs and he falls down because it's like, it's not like it used to be. If it's kind of maybe the guy's stick was there or you, before you had to actually trip the guy, not your stick get caught up in his feet. I mean, those plays are just like, the players are like, what the fuck? I didn't try to trip the guy. I and mean, what's the yeah. coach say to him? You know, usually you get blasted for getting a penalty, but I don't even think the coach is getting mad anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example. Charlie Coyle had his stick out, wasn't even paying attention, didn't even see the player coming, and the player tripped over Ch- Coyle's stick, and Coyle got the penalty. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it is ridiculous. Some of the penalties are ridiculous now. I mean, it's just like, come on, let them play, especially in the playoffs. I mean, I know this, you know, all this stick work can't be involved at all, but, I mean, you see the like uh, Brett Burns pushes a guy down behind the net, punches him in the head twice, no fucking penalty. But the guy's yeah. stick gets caught up and it's a penalty. I mean, what's that? what the hell? You know, you can yeah. punch a guy in the head while he's down, but you can't like have your stick in the wrong spot and the guy confusing. trips over it. It's confusing, yeah. Yeah, I just think that they're kind of it's, going. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, series, though. I'm I'm pretty pumped. You know, I'm a big Bruins fan, uh, but I'm pretty pumped to see uh, St. Louis uh, hopefully win their first Stanley Cup. Um, like I said uh, last time. Um, these two played together in the Stanley Cup was the famous Bobby Orr 
flying in the air, scoring the goal. That was against St. Louis. Um, that was the last time St. Louis was actually in the Stanley Cup. I think that was 72, I want to say. Um, we're talking like 50 years ago, yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say, though, for all the listeners about uh, Bington, Benner. Um, Bington. Very nasty. Bington. Uh, there's a funny uh, a little story about him that last year he was actually the fourth goalie for the Blues organization. Um, they were actually going to send him down to the East Coast Hockey League. Um, he didn't agree with that. He has to be traded. So uh, St. Louis actually uh, let the Boston Bruins organization, the Providence AHL team, they uh, lent him to him, to the Bruins for a year. And uh, he did really well over there for Providence. So B- Bingington actually played for the Providence Bruins last year, went back to St. Louis, and now he's taking the team to the Stanley Cup. So, you know, just just saying that, you know, when it seems like he's going nowhere where they're going to put you down in the East Coast, um, a year later you're playing in the Stanley Cup. So that's pretty crazy that, uh, you know, St. Louis – First rookie, First rookie have, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was the uh, the fourth rookie since 1987 with 12 plus wins in a in a season playoffs, and that's behind Matt Murray, Cam Ward, and Ron Hextall. So good names, uh, good names there. I wonder yeah. if there's ever been a rookie to win goalie of the year. I don't know. Could be. It's a possibility. I'm sure it yeah. happened before. Um, it'll be tough against Tukarask and. Uh, Byington, I can't. It's gonna yeah, be a fun series. I'm not sure I share your guys' sentiment with the fact that even though the Bruins have had a lot of days off, I, I think, um, I, I really, I mean, let's let's face it, I'm the only one that gets any predictions right among the four of us. There you go. The uh, the uh, I think they're gonna come out. I think Boston will win the first game of that series. I really do. Yeah. I think that I think that crowd will be rocking and. I don't think they're going to miss a step, man. They're they're kind of a special. Both these teams are special teams, you know what I mean? Like they just they have like a certain chemistry about Derek, them. So let, let me take you in. Let me take you in one step further. Who who do you got, Boston? If Boston's going to win, who's going to light the lamp first? God, I don't know, man. That's putting me on the spot too much. I don't know. Probably I'll probably the rat, you. maybe. The rat might put the first one in the net, maybe. Oh, the um, rat. Yeah, Marshawn, maybe. Marshall and Blake put the first one. I think I do think the Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup. I do. I just think it's a special I'm writing season. Down I mean, like, predictions, Mark. Like, like Pat said though. I mean, Pat, to go from like last place to in the playoffs to now you're in the Stanley Cup Finals. There's just something special about that. You know what I mean? So, is there any other sport you can do that? I don't know, man. God, that's crazy. Baseball, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's not that much parity in baseball as there's in hockey. I mean, yeah. you don't see the shitty teams going too far, really. So the Stanley Cup first game's Monday at eight o'clock NBC. Stay yeah. tuned for that. Can't wait on that. Rob, so you want to know our predictions? I think that yeah. I am going to go with the Blues. Um, to be honest with you, until I start watching the series, I don't know who I'm rooting for. It's kind of like the same thing with the with the Sharks series. I didn't, didn't really know who I was rooting for, and then I was rooting for the Sharks for some reason. It just kind of like happened. But I think I'm going to root for the St. Louis Blues to win that series. You know, they had a little help with the injuries. I mean, you had Carlson, Hurdle, and uh, Bavowski out in their last game, um, depending on what happens with the Bruins, if they have any injuries. But I think that the, the St. Louis Blues have been the hottest team since uh, the end of the season, and I'd like to see them win one. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck. At- Hold on, Pat. Who do you got scoring for him, Mark, then? 
The Blues? Yeah. Oh, I got to go with Tarasenko. I mean, he's going to have 100 shots in the first game. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of torn between the two. I'm a big Bruins fan, uh, St. Louis fan. I'd like to see St. Louis win, but uh, I'd like to see uh, Charlie McAvoy win a Stanley Cup. Ooh. There's two BU boys on that. You got uh, Charlie McAvoy and Grizzlick on uh, defense there. I think there's a couple other BU players or personnel on the Bruins organization. Um, I th- I'm hoping for the Bruins, and I'm going to say Charlie Coyle scores first. Ooh, Patrick. The fourth, that third, fourth line for the Bruins has been producing. Yeah, that, that might be a difference maker in that series, too. I mean, if that fourth line continues to play like they did last series, that's going to be a game changer for the Bruins. Okay, so I'll, I'll make mine short and sweet. Oh, here we go. I think it's just – Sabres are in it. I'm going with RAR. Actually, you know, an ex-Saber is in it. <laughs> I'm going with Ryan O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. That yeah, should so, be a good series, man. I'm really looking yeah, forward I'm to excited. it. Some other news in the NHL, right, Mark? we got uh, you Ranger fans over there. Got a new president. Yeah, the Rangers picked up a new president. Um, help me out with his name. I'm blanking here, Patrick. JD, John Davison. Oh. John Davison, there you go. He was a goalie for the Rangers way back in the days, uh, became an announcer, actually left uh, being an announcer, went to St. Louis, actually has a little, might have a little uh, um, ties with this team this year. And then he he left St. Louis and went over to Columbus and assembled Columbus' uh, team the last two, three years. Uh, But his calling, he always said his calling was the Rangers' Um, he loves the blue jersey. His family uh, just love going back to New York City. Love the Rangers, and uh, he's ready to uh, do what he's got to do to be uh, the president, the GM, and win the Stanley Cup. So, I think it's pretty big for uh, you know Ranger fans. He's done quite a bit in St. Louis and uh, Columbus, and with the top draft picks and the young guys and Dave Quinn as the head coach, a lot of potential there. Yeah, that is doing well again. Yeah, you just mentioned Columbus there, and it kind of got me thinking about something real quick, and then we'll go back to what's going on in Edmonton. But um, the teams that have swept have all lost. So the Islanders swept the Penguins, and then they um, and then they lost. And then Carolina swept the Islanders, then they lost the Bruins. So and then Columbus swept uh, Tampa, and they lost the Bruins. So if history prevails, the Bruins swept, should, they should lose. Oh, little stack guy. Course Ooh. one right there, boys. And that is all on the East Coast, guys. There weren't any sweeps out in the uh... – Yeah, boys, it's going to be a good uh, good interview with him for sure. He's a great guy. Just uh, don't forget to get onto our website. Check out BlueLineHockeyClub.com for all of our podcasts. And uh, – Check us out on Twitter and Facebook as well. If you haven't given us a review on uh, Stitcher or, or uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms out there, get on and give us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, you can rate us up to four or five, I think it's five stars. So get on there and help us out with that. Uh, we appreciate you hear from all of our viewers, or all of our listeners out there. And um, it's good feedback for us. Until next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice. To you. Oh, doctor. Keep your head up. <laughs>